Right. Tell the story about the Bridgeport because we talked about it on the show last week. Right. Did we talk, we talk about you. it in the after show? I don't know. I think we did. Well, anyway, at one point, at one point last week, it's a funny story. It's just funny how timing works out. At, at one point, Bob, you you said, "I think I'm ready for Bridgeport," and I know where there's sitting. There's one sitting in your vicinity, in your city. One of the guys in the distillery have one unused. The machine shop in the distillery is no longer being used, and so they have a bunch of equipment. So I, I made a phone call. I put out a a question to my guys in Louisville, and I haven't answered. They haven't answered yet, only because they haven't been there. They don't know. They don't work directly there. They're kind of subcontractors that go there occasionally, so I haven't heard from them. But in the, just out of curiosity, I opened up Craigslist to see if there was any in the area. And before my page loaded, my phone rang, and it was a phone number that I never saw. And I said, hello. And it was somebody who I gave my card to at Maker Faire a couple of years ago. And he said, hey, you gave me your card. And you said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. He's a professor at Columbia. He's an engineering teacher at Columbia University in New York. And he's probably listening. So hello, bro, Andre. And... Uh, he said, hey, we have a Bridgeport sitting here that we never use. Do you want it? <laughs> and this was like 10 minutes after we got off of our Skype call. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's an amazing community. You know, I mean, we could say forever how cool it is that we are all connected and you know, all around the world and all around the United States. But it's just so funny. I, I, I personally find myself very lucky. If I put it out there, like I still think I'm going to get my trailer back. I know I'm going to get my trailer back. It's like something I feel, the one that or got stolen. a better stolen. trailer. Yeah, or a better yeah. trailer or uh, whatever. But the point of making this is I just always feel lucky. I, I And I just put it out there and then boom. The way I got my Bridgeport is like I was kind of searching and thinking. And then my ex-girlfriend sent me a message. This is like five years ago. She sent me a message. She's like, hey, do you want a Bridgeport with an indexing head and a whole box of tooling? And I know she doesn't know what any of that is. No. <laughs> so I wrote back, I'm like, yes, and how do you know this? It's like she's obviously sitting with somebody. She's like, I'm on a date. I'm on like my second date with some guy. And he just told me he has to get out of his shop by like the end of next month. And he doesn't know who's going to take all his stuff. Or he's just going to have to like scrap it because it's too soon to make a, a sale. Anyway, I'm, I hooked up with that guy and he gave me a bunch of stuff, including my Bridgeport. That's how I got my Bridgeport. So I've always been very lucky. And uh, I have one sitting in my driveway right now. It's called a Bridgeport clone. It's basically the same exact casting, but it's just not made by Bridgeport. It's made by a Korean company in the 80s. That's the one I got a couple weeks ago when I had to buy three things just to get one. And that's sitting at my mother's house. So we made a little conversation about you maybe getting that one. And then now uh, this is a real Bridgeport. Anyway, we'll see how things pan out. And now after this conversation, you're going to get like five of them dropped off in your front yard in Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Compliments of Jimmy's luck. So What's really awesome about that, though, is that you kind of just... A couple of years ago at a maker fair, just made a little, had a conversation with somebody yep. and you were like, hey, here's my info in case someday something. Mm -hmm. And you just put that little thing out there and made a connection with somebody in the community. And then, you know, it, w whether that has anything to do with me, I'm not saying that. I, that's no, just a yeah. cool reoccurrence, like two years later or whatever it was, you know, to have the, the connection come back to be something. Somebody yeah. thought of you when they saw an opportunity and that's really awesome. Well, you know what it is? They know that I'm stupid enough to go and exert money and energy to go grab something that weighs 2,000 pounds, and they'll be like, it's not my problem. Call Jimmy. He'll be stupid enough to come and take it. Here's some trash. Call Jimmy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just wait, wait, wait. Before you touch that, call, call Duresta. He'll come and take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got rust on it. He'll love it. Yeah. Did so you no, see the, the video somebody sent around this week of, like, the laser rust removal thing, and they were like, something like, this is the 
I, I saw it twice actually, and I saw it one time saying this is like the night, like Jimmy's nightmare because it's taking all the rust away from the world. <laughs> and then the other person was like, "Oh, look how many things he could restore with this laser." Tool. That's funny. I've seen that video. It's is it kind of old? It's not brand new, right? Yeah, it's kind of, no, yeah. yeah, it's old. I've seen it before, and uh, everybody always wonders if it's real. And I think just the other day, my brother goes to a lot of conventions for household and invention stuff, and. My brother said, hey, have you ever seen that laser thing that removes rust? Because I saw it in person. It really works. So I think oh, it's wow. a real thing. My brother saw it at a convention in Las Vegas. So, yeah, I don't. I, I did not get my hands on one. But I, I working with Eric, as far as rust goes, a lot of people have asked me, DM me and asked me off camera and offline, hey, does that stuff really work? The Vapor Rust? And it works mm-hmm. amazing. And it's hmm. non-toxic, and it's you can stick your hands in it. You're not going to get poisoned. It's all made from natural stuff. Hmm. It's called the Vaporust, and Eric from Hansel Rescue uses it all the time. And it really works. I mean, you could dunk in something rusty, and you take it out. It looks like it was sandblasted. It's pretty amazing. Just hit it with a wire wheel really quickly, but you're not doing any work with the wire wheel other than just kind of cleaning up the surface a little bit. It's pretty amazing. So if you guys ever have anything rusty, Evaporust. Hmm. Huh. You'll put I something in and take it out at two hours later and it'll look like it's brand new. I'm realizing now that I never actually watched that video with you guys somehow. Oh, there's two I'd... versions. There's my version and his. It's funny. Okay. They're both yeah. funny. Well, I didn't see that because I, I apparently didn't watch the video, so I'm going to have to go back and do that. <laughs> and uh, the, another thing, Evaporust is reusable. It, you could reuse it over and over and then it, 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 its effectiveness diminishes, so eventually you have to replace it. But you can get a jug of it and use the jug like five times. How long does it times. take? Uh, overnight works best, but like just a couple of hours if it's brand new, if the liquid is brand new, it takes just a couple hours for something to get completely oh. rust free. But as huh. it as it gets used up, it's it diminishes its effectiveness. Crazy, yeah. Check that out. Yeah, non toxic, non corrosive, contains no acid bases or petroleum solvents. Wow. Yeah. How I mean, does this, it work? <laughs> this isn't a commercial for them, but it's funny. Uh, Eric told me they he, they gave him a 55-gallon drum of it, and he wanted to try and shoot a scene where he p- comes up out of it like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> and they said, they suggested he probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good just idea to, with most, yeah. Just to prove that it's not that toxic. Sense. That's pretty wild. Um, so I was uh, kind of, unre- well, it's totally unrelated, but I was uh, watching my Land Cruiser yesterday, and it's white, which is one of the things that I am not crazy about. I love the vehicle, but I just, like, I would never intentionally purchase a white vehicle. I don't know. Um, And so that thing gets dirty all the time. And it's also 26 years old, so the paint is not great. You know, it it doesn't have, like, the clear coat on it so much anymore, so the surface is kind of hard to clean. Anyway, so I go out and I'm, like, scrubbing on the car yesterday uh, with, you know, car cleaner soap, like, specific car soap. And I'm, like, cleaning it hosing it off and it's kind of working but kind of not and every time I've worked on it you know you get grease on your hands and then you go and you open the door so like right around the the doorknob has like little brown smudges and black smudges and so I'm just like man I can't get this stuff off and like it's not really being clean so I thought oh well that's probably grease from the engine so I'll go get some degreaser and just try it you should totally wash your cars with degreaser (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) I don't know if it's actually good for cars. Somebody will probably be like, oh, it's going to, your paint's going to fall off or something. But man, I had this like foaming degreaser and I just went and kind of shot it around the, the doorknob where all the stuff was. And you could just see it as the foam rolled down the side of the car. You could just see it being cleaned. 
So I ended up going over like all along the bottom rail, you know, the part that's closest to the road. It was kind of dingy looking. I sprayed the whole thing and then leave it on there for maybe 10, 15 seconds and then just like wipe it off. And it looks so much better. So now I'm going to be cleaning the car, degreasing the car, and then cleaning the car again to get rid of any residue or something. But Now, what, what brand of degreaser do you use? Is it just something you bought at the shelf? This was a, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a WD-40 brand. But it's a foaming. It's like one of their big industrial cans, the tall ones. Right. Uh, but it's a, a foaming one rather than just the really runny stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Is it a pump spray or like a compressed? Like when you no, you it's got... compressed. Oh yeah. wow! I never saw that. So it's kind of yeah. like a, like a yeah, something you spray on the engine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna do some stuff with WD forty several years ago, and it never panned out. But they sent me this like care package or whatever of. Mm-hmm all of their industrial stuff. So I ended up with like tons of grease that I'll never ever use. Um, and all these cleaners, degreasers, solvents, you know, all this different stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, it's kind of one of those things where like I've got this shelf of all these things and I'm not really sure what all's there. So occasionally I'll go kind of <laughs> flip through it and be like, oh yeah, look, I have the thing with the, you know, there's like a gel lubricant, which works great, but I always forget that I have that. And so I'm like always using lubricants that are super runny and stuff, and then I find this gel stuff, and it's great because you can, you can squirt it up into something and it stays there, right. you know, it doesn't run down and drip, and so anyway, there's some free advertising WD. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's all they wanted because they contacted me too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well anyway, the degreaser worked great on the car. So if you're washing your car, got some stuff you can't get off, whether it's grease or otherwise, because there was even a spot where I had a sticker. I put a sticker on the quarter panel, and I didn't like it, so I pulled it off after, you know, like 10 minutes, and it still had the kind of sticky residue stuff, and that just sucks in dirt, so white car with this big, like, black smudge on the side of it, I went and got some, um, goo, goo gone, goo, goof off, one of those two, yep. I sprayed that on, thinking, yeah, that's supposed to, like, get rid of the sticky stuff, sprayed it on there, and it just smeared it around, didn't really help, <laughs> degreaser, two seconds and it was just gone i'm like man this stuff is oh, awesome that's cool hot tip anyway yeah um so what have you guys been working on anything i just finished up uh the middle section of the bar in my i guess we'll call it an entertainment room um so there's a i don't know you, got, you need a better name than that I, it's, it's gotta be uh, yeah we, like we call it the room? tile room because it's the only room with this <laughs> ugly tile in it so we always call it the tile room um, huh. But uh, yeah, it needs a better name because I inherited my dad disco room. Disco room, I like that because it's got a it's got a yeah. movie theater yeah. in there, and, and then I inherited my dad's pool Ooh. table, so that's in there. And we're building the bar, so uh, rec room, entertainment room, Ooh. disco room, whatever, whatever it is. So disco. there's a there's a little bump out, and we're building a, a like a, a bar beverage center there that fits in there and i did the middle section out of cherry and cherry plywood and it came out really nice and it's it's built around it's beautiful. Uh, looks great thank you it's built around a little uh, beverage fridge and so everything is kind of um centers uh, centers around that and then this week we're going to build the two outside cabinets which is going to hold bottles of whatever and, and glasses i i in the past i've used a lot of walnut and i probably said walnut is my favorite wood right now i'm really into cherry i don't for whatever mm. reason cherry looks really good in our house and i just like the way it looks so 
I've only used Cherry a couple of times, but I used it recently, not recently, but on the dresser for my boys. And it was interesting looking through the pile of Cherry boards, how different the color was. Like, Walnut's pretty much all Walnut colored, but Cherry, there's kind of orangey looking boards. There were some that were super pink. And I guess it See, all kind of depends on the how much light it's had on it or something. Well, I kind of have a different take on that because the walnut that I get has a lot of variants and it's hard to match up boards. I've had better experience matching mm-hmm. up cherry boards when, when gluing up. So hmm. um, I, I guess with any wood, you're going to get the, the the different color variants. But the, the problem with walnut is a lot of sap wood is sold with walnut in there and so you get really light tan with with a dark brown and i don't know the the cherry that at least the cherry i have access to is a little bit more even toned the the pieces that i was noticing this on uh it wasn't the entire board it was like where a longer board had been in a stack and the end of it was hanging oh out. yeah yeah and so it was like noticeably pinker than the rest of the board or yeah, cherry. Orange. I don't remember. It was different. I don't remember. But cherry reacts to UV light more so than any other wood. So if you build something, ten years later, it's going to be way darker, especially if it if it sees uh, sunlight. And a lot of people will stain cherry right away or dye cherry right away, so they get that aged look to it. Hmm. But it is one of those woods that will change over time. Like the uh, the the hot dog table that I made is um, basically made from the same stuff that i made my fireplace but the hot dog table is way darker than my fireplace and they're both in the same room now if you were to dye it to get the color you want is it still going to change or is that dye going to stop the uv change from happening over time do you know that i don't know i'm assuming it'll still change i think i did a i did a walnut room for a house and you know we use like uv protecting stuff and the whole room kind of faces the sun, and then we had to replace one panel that got damaged, and we replaced the panel. It looked like brand new walnut. The rest of the room looked orange, but you wouldn't know it unless you brought a piece in. The the sun screws with everything. <laughs> Same thing happened when I worked in Leonardo DiCaprio's apartment. He rented the apartment out for a year to somebody else, and they ripped the veneer off of something, got hooked on like somebody's shoe or something. And they ripped the veneer off of one of the cabinet doors, and I redid that cabinet door. I happened to have the same Wangay veneer, and again, we brought it in in the, the whole room. You wouldn't know it unless you brought a brand new piece in. The whole room, everything was faded because it hits direct mm. sunlight. And a, a direct sunlight is going to burn anything. Yeah. There's like people always yeah. say, <clears throat> what can I do to it? I'm like, all you're going to do is slow it down. You're not going to stop it totally. So you just got to maintenance it. Yeah. Crazy. Well, Jimmy, what have you been up to? I just posted two videos this weekend. I posted a vlog and a, my paddle, my canoe paddles. And uh, that was exciting to get some videos out. And I have a couple of videos in the can. So people go from being like, wow, you never make anything anymore. I actually have a friend who I talk to uh, fairly often that I met through YouTube. And he said, so like, is everything okay? You don't, you like don't post videos anymore. It was like, even my dad, my dad's like, I saw you posted a video you do about one a month. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then what occurred to me is they're only, they're only living life through Facebook. And I just kind of stopped using Facebook. I only use Facebook to actually interact with people that reach out to me. So where I was always make sure I put fa- videos on Facebook to let people know that I'm posting. These guys don't do anything but Facebook. My dad and my friend, those two particular examples. So hmm. there's anybody out there that's a Facebook addict. I post at least three or four times a month still. Uh, it's out there. Uh, so I was surprised to hear my buddy's like, 
so like you don't is everything okay like you haven't posted a video in like a month i'm like dude i posted mm-hmm. like five videos this month he's like how do, how come i don't know that i don't know but i've had the same thing recently yeah. uh if i don't do an email blast people are like i didn't see a video this week uh, like family members i'm like, like oh you don't subscribe to the youtube channel and so they only know when i get when i put out videos is when they get the email blast so my buddy Kurt was looking. He goes, "I don't even subscribe. I'm not even subscribed to you on YouTube. I just click through any link that I see, like in social media." So, huh? Wow. And he's like a huge fan, and, you know. So it's funny. It's like a little bit of like a ongoing problem, I think, for all of us. You know, it's funny because I was actually thinking about this last week, and it, it's funny that you brought this up. I don't know when the last time I posted one of this show's episodes onto the Facebook page for this show. Because I've completely forgot about it. Because it's a small group of people that follow that, I just kind of assume that they are also subscribed, you know, through a podcast app. Nobody's complained about it. But I was thinking about that. Like, the more things that we create, the more each one of those objects has a whole set of, like, ancillary stuff you have to do around it. You have to put it on all these different social networks. You have to make sure that they're all linked to the right place. You have to, you know, all this. And so the more you want to produce... It's like not just producing another video. It's producing another video plus the five plus social posts that go along with it. And yeah, it's like hard to scale this stuff. You know, it gets like, I mean, you know, me and Josh doing the new podcast, that doubles the amount of posting we have to do for podcast stuff every week. And it's, I don't know, it's hard to think about that. It's hard to want to do more when it's like, it's not just one more thing. It's six more things. No, well, it's funny when everybody, when people in my vicinity are like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if I'm like, yeah, that's great. I mean, we can't duplicate me and we don't have anybody to support that concept. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? All you got to do is this. I'm like, all I'm doing is all of this already. You know, it's like hard to duplicate. And sometimes we'll rearrange our lives for an idea that's really good. At least dip our toe in the water and try something new. But I have so many ideas that I want to manufacture. I just, I, I can't find somebody that's going to handle them for me. I can't find someone that's going to design them for me. And everybody that does want to help me, it's either partly my fault that I don't follow through with them or partly their fault that they don't follow through with me. It, it's it's really difficult to you know, split our time up. And yeah. that's why I kind of just gave up Facebook because every conversation on Facebook never ends. It's like, oh, thank you, bro. Boom. Hey, are you going to be at such and such? And then I'm like, I don't want to be rude and not answer. So I just don't answer anything. Like I just don't. Mm. The messenger, like I can't even open messenger. Like that annoyed me when they broke that away and made it its own app. I can't even open messenger because there's 7,000 unanswered questions. And every question isn't just like, hey, what color do you like? Red, thank you. It's, hey, you know, what is the best this or that? And I just avoid it. I really don't know what to do because I just run out of time. I don't have that much time in a day. So... Wow, this is okay. <laughs> so I've been dealing. This is not what we were planning on talking about today, but I think it's it's important because it's obviously coming up. I've had a, a rough couple of weeks with comments. Not, and that's not what I want to talk about. I'm not complaining about it. Whatever, I've already dealt with it. But I've had a lot of like just uh, kind of feeling about <laughs> kind of dry heave feeling about the some of the input that I've been taking. And so thinking through that, and this totally applies to what you just said. One of the things that I think gets lost um, in in like the way social media works and the position that we're in, and anybody who's on social media uh, that's in any any capacity, work capacity. Okay, I think one of the things that gets lost is as a an audience member to somebody that you like or a show that you like or a thing that you consume. When you talk to them, you see it as a one to one 
conversation. One person is asking a question to one person, and that one person responds to one person, right? You see this one-to-one thing. When you, on the other side of it, when you're on the content production side, and this is not a complaint, this was just a realization that I hit, and I was like, oh, this is why it's hard. I got it now. From the content production side, it's a hundreds of thousands or millions to one input to output ratio. Like when you're on, when you have a channel, you are on the receiving end of hundreds of thousands of one-to-one communications <laughs> and it doesn't scale that way. And it, it dawned on me in the last couple of weeks, like, why is this getting hard for me? Why is this frustrating? Why, you know, it's because I can't handle all of the input. It's not all bad. It's not all good. It's not about that. It's just about the sheer volume of stuff coming at me that I feel responsible to respond to. And that's what, just what you were saying, Jimmy, is it's, you're muted, so I can't hear you. My computer just, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, 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 at the end of every day, if anybody listening or you guys know, there's always like that, oh, damn, there's that one thing I didn't do. Oh, yeah. There's that one person I didn't answer. Now imagine having that going, oh, there's those 35 people I didn't answer. Oh, there's those 48 people I forgot to answer. <laughs> oh, there's those 28 ice picks I promised to everybody individually. I got a thousand screen grabs on my phone and I scribble across a pick, you know, somebody's address from an email. I, I have on my list today, mail out the 10 ice picks I promised to the 10 people that, you know, individually did me a very good personal favor or something. And, you know, I always say, oh, they're like, I don't want any money. And I say, I'll send you an ice pick. Oh, great. You know, because that's what they kind of want. <laughs> and it's like, totally, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, I, it's totally fine. You know, Brett helps me with that tremendously. But I have to remember to communicate that. And that's like at the end of every day, I'm always like, oh, there's these 50 things I forgot to do. Yeah. All right, I'll do it. The tomorrow. upside to all of this <laughs> is if you need a new Bridgeport, someone's willing to give you <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah, I'm not compl- I mean I'm not complaining it just gets a little stressful at times that's all yeah and you know it just leaves you with that little bit of feeling like you've great you've had all these great accomplishments and then you're like oh I did everything I possibly could except for those 50 things yeah oh, damn yeah and you go to bed like thinking you didn't finish your homework and you got to figure out how to lie through it in the morning <laughs> Yeah, I think it's not a it's not a complaint. It was more of a realization for me. It's yeah. like, oh, this is why it, it's there's like a stress to this because you know, I mean, you think about if you own your own business, you're working for yourself. Theoretically, it should be less stressful because it should be a thing that you you're in charge. Uh, but I also put it on myself to want to try to communicate back to people when they reach out. I want to do. I mean, if they're going to make that effort, I'd like to make that effort back. But it dawned on me that that may not be something that I can continue to do in the same way. And that goes with answering comments or answering emails or answering, you know, Instagram messages or whatever, because that scale is getting harder and harder to keep up with. So anyway, that's been on my mind a lot. So you brought it up. Um, Sorry. (laughs) You started it. What else? We're doing what I'm working on? Yeah, if you still Still? got some. Yeah, you I got like 10 working things. working on more? Go for it. <laughs> I got like 10 things, but I'll just go okay. through a couple. Do it. Um, the electric paddles are getting installed today while we talk. My buddy Patrick is going to be here. And uh, last night, I just want to say something about, you know, we're all we're all exposed to this technology. I haven't used my plasma CNC in more than a year, partly because when we started the construction, it dug up the wire that I used to power it through the container, and everything's just been out of sorts in that back part of my, my property, and that's where the 
that machine is. And so last night, Patrick said, hey, let's make a sign for his property. And I was like, you know what? It's a good excuse for me to confront all this stuff I've been avoiding. I went and I got my computer. I got the dongle that runs the program. I started the computer for the first time on the machine. And I kicked the machine up. I dug the wire out of the ground and plugged it all in. And I ran my, I got to run 350 feet of air hose from my other garage to run the compressor because I don't have one near there. And went through all that and then went through trying to remember how to use the program. I literally opened the program and I'm staring at it going, I have no idea how to use this program because I haven't looked at it in like 12 or 13 months. And it was just, it was just daunting. And I actually figured it out. So if you guys watched my Instagram story last night, you'll notice that I actually was able to, we found this saw blade in my backyard. I got like 10 of them laying around. We dug one up out of the mud and <clears throat> threw it on the table, but it had such a, a thick layer of, of uh, rust on it. I'm gonna mute and cough, hang on. It was a great visual. That <laughs> was. I wish we had video. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to get it all up. And um, it was the biggest PIA, but we figured it out. I, I had no idea how to set up the cut file. I had no idea like what the inch per minute was. I just guessed because I was a little under the gun because Patrick was standing there. He's like, oh, you know how to do this, and I don't. And I'm like, I don't know how to do it either. I completely forgot because <laughs> it's been so long that I've actually – because there was that moment in time there where I was like plasma cutting something every day. But then I just kind of compartmentalized it because that part of the yard became unusable. And I was like, oh, I'll get back to that in a couple of weeks when we finish this. And now it's been over a year. And uh, But anyway, I powered through it and I figured it out. And it was just, uh, it was fun to figure out and troubleshoot. Go ahead. Can you explain uh, cleanly what uh, the biggest PIA means? Oh, pain in the ass. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm trying to keep it clean for the kids. <laughs> but yeah, no, just, uh, but the, I guess the bigger point I'm making is, is that sometimes you have to power through something. I've avoided that machine because it got to a point where like I knew I had to drag the hose from that part of the yard. I had to dig up this, uh, you know, 220 volt extension cord that I made and I had a muck through the mud. I had to go and get the computer running again and that it hasn't fired that program up and you got to run this program with a dongle, which I was hoping I knew where it was, and I did find it last night. And all these little things were every excuse not to use the machine. But I brought it all together, and I had like a renewed confidence last night. It's just the, the point I'm making is, is I had a project. Patrick kind of tasked me with this thing, and I was like, you know what? As much as I, I said straight up to my guy, I don't want to do this because I know it's going to be a pain, but I'm going to use this as a reason to relearn this technology and I did and at the end of the day we got good results we we cut a, a, a mama bear baby bear scene kind of walking in the water that I found online we modified a little bit and I placed it in the saw and then I couldn't figure out how to cut out just the negative space that was a, a whole debacle and uh, anyway it, it all came out in the end it took a lot longer than I expected but now that I have that renewed energy and and we all have that fear of having that thing in the corner, like it could be the CNC machine or it could be the 3D printer where you just say, you keep every excuse close at hand to not use it. Mm -hmm. On a much smaller scale, I got a biscuit joiner recently and I haven't used it. It's just sitting there and I want to use it instead of dominoes at certain times so people can see different ways. Yeah. But I know it just it's going to take me two minutes just to learn how to set it up 
but mm-hmm. it's that it's that two minutes that's stopping me from using it. I'm like, oh, I already know how to use the domino, so I'm just going to use this. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I kind of put something on my schedule. I'm trying to to I don't know if I talked about this or not, but I'm trying to dedicate like a little time that is timed, like set a timer to do a certain task that I always avoid doing, like the stuff that you're talking about. I'm trying to say like, hey, little Amazon box, set a timer for 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes, I'm going to go do this task. And if I don't get Mm -hmm. it done in 10 minutes, that's fine, but it's done. I'm going to try to do that with email and stuff like that. But picking, making a list of those types of little things, like setting up the biscuit joiner, um, and then just dedicating a very small block of time to go do those things, knock them out, it's so helpful for me because it gets it like out of my brain inventory. You know, it's like you have all those yeah. little things that you never get to and they just hang out, uh, you know, behind your head and they're in the way. And I feel like it gives you that feeling like, oh, there's so much stuff that I need to do that I never get around to doing. But like, I find that setting a little bit of time aside to do those things and get them out of my head and they never take as long as you think. I mean, it's just, right. you know, you just do it and then it's done and then it's over with. So you may want to set aside like the first 10 minutes of your day on Tuesdays or whatever to, you know, pick a thing from your list that you never get around to doing and like do it. It's a good yeah. idea. That's my idea for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I also got um, one of those, those, those suck it, um, CNC dust collector things. Oh, and yeah. I've had it for at least a year and I've still have not put it on the CNC. I still haven't figured out how to put it together. And you have to CNC uh, the hose part out of it. So there's there's work. And I just, and I used the CNC to cut the little diamond shapes for my, my bar this week. And it made a massive mess. And I was like, man, if I had dust collection for the CNC, life would be so much easier. But I keep putting it off and I keep putting it off. Because putting assembling stuff is just not fun and mm. I, it just feels like Ugh, this this is not what I want to do so. we, we've we avoided for a long time uh, surfacing the big CNC my CNC router parts machine because it's it's a huge mess and I got this bit that's like a not quite three inch round Ooh. surfacing bit Yeah, <laughs> it's scary and so finally the other day we decided to and we had to order like a different collet and whatever so we finally got everything together put it up in there and Josh was over like trying to figure out like how fast do we make this thing go because it's terrifying it's like a it just goes you know and it's it's super loud it's big you don't want to be anywhere near it and it's going through MDF and it doesn't it doesn't even notice that the MDF is there so like you can make it go really fast but when you do it's it's turning it's so big and it's, it's turning so much a air. He's creating a, of, uh, a vortex of sawdust. Yeah. It's a vortex of MDF dust. And so yeah. it just looks like the Tasmanian devil going across your your CNC table. Do you, have a, a, do you have a vacuum boot and everything? Uh, well, I do, but not big enough for a three-inch bit. Oh. <laughs> so well, that's where I was going is like the... The boot that I have, it's like one that uh, Caleb Craft, hey Caleb, made. He designed an extension so that you it's a smaller opening at the bottom without the little bristles so that you can film what's happening. And so we made that one, but then this bit is just too big to fit in there, so we took the thing off. Now it's spitting CNC dust, or CNC dust. It's <laughs> spitting MDF dust, dust everywhere. 
so now I'm kind of in the same position you are, David, where now we have to go back and make another boot just to be able to not cover the entire shop with MDF, powder, duct tape, and duct tape. Make a little duct tape boot just for temporary. Yeah, oh. I thought about that. Um, I wasn't sure that it would be strong enough to stay in place because of the amount of air that was being pushed. Oh, it might pull up inside. Yeah, or I don't know. I mean, it's something we need to make anyway, so I, I order the parts. Everything will be here tomorrow. But it is kind of one of those things. Like, you got to make a thing just to make a thing. And that's, well, I made I made those tapered mid-century modern legs this week. I got I got slack for saying mid-century modern in one of my... Like, some guy commented on my vlog. He's like, mid-century modern, what a hipster term. I'm like, what should I call it? <laughs> hipster term or goes, design style that's, you know, been I go, what should I call it? That's years. what it's called, and that's what the client wanted, and that's what they call it. He goes, oh, you should call it 50-ish-esque. I'm like, start your own YouTube channel and you call whatever you want. I did want to comment on that. Those legs were awesome. And I don't know how it's repeatable, but that is a really cool technique. I just got to make sure that I dial the, the saw blade up to the same spot each time. That's all. I just okay. got to make a mental note to how high I dial the saw blade. And then that's what I take a few passes and then it's my finished pass. I, I totally like keep giving Izzy props for that. I, I came up with that after watching Izzy do something very similar. Uh, he may have made it done exactly the same thing. I, I, I can't honestly remember because he uses so many of those jigs that are powered by the drill. But I was definitely 99% inspired by Izzy to do that. And it's throws sawdust. Like, it's one of those things where you have sawdust in your underwear when you're done. There's, like, nothing you can do. And Oh, man, that's another good title. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so Taylor was helping me. You'll notice her at one point. Brett was helping me at one point. And just holding the vacuum in the right spot. But there is no right spot. If I had to make more than I made, I figured out a jig at the end. I would literally enclose that whole thing and then put the vacuum. But it, it just kept going. Oh, let me just do one more. Let me just do one more. I'll make the jig after. I'll make the enclosure after. And I just finished all eight legs without having to make the enclosure. Can but I cleaned up real good. Uh, explain what I did. Yeah. You basically, uh, so I had a three-inch piece of stock. It all started out with a two-inch plank that was 16 feet long and 10 inches wide and two inches thick and I cut it all up into leg blanks it's a pele which is kind of like a mahogany I glued together so I ended up with three by three by 29 inch long blanks cut the corners off so I get rid of most of the square so now it's a it's eight-sided what is that what is eight-sided thing called octagon octagon that's it octopus so it was an octopus shape flat sides on and by 30 inches long uh by 29 inches long by its biggest girth three inches and i chopped them cleanly so they're all the same and then i drilled a center hole on each side and then i made a table saw jig so that they're pinned in space right over the saw blade one hole is at two inches and the other hole is at three inches so i'm literally taking off a taper from the top to the bottom so the end of the leg will be one inch in full diameter and the top of the leg will be approximately three inches in full diameter and then I put a lag bolt, so I put a little screw in the very tip, and then a lag bolt in the back part where I'll be operating from. The lag bolt screws in and tightens, and then when I run it with the drill, it'll spin the piece of wood. So I put the lag bolt in, hold it, tighten it, and then let go, and then it free spins. And then I turn the blade up and just run the thing directly over the saw blade while it's spinning. Hmm. And you end up with a perfect taper, and it throws sawdust everywhere. 
And no matter where you put the vacuum, you need like six vacuums because it's just spinning and throwing it everywhere. Like I said, I could have simply put a shield around everything, but I didn't think of that till I was on like leg six. And I just said, oh, whatever, just keep going. And I ended up with these mid-century modern legs. Own it, man. Eight of them. And they're uh, all almost exactly the same shape. They're slightly different, but you get to a point where you know what? I'm happy with this. I'd rather not blow it and ruin this leg because it got so close. And uh, today I'm going to make the mounting plates for those legs and then put them on these boomerang tables I'm working on. What are you doing for the mounting plates? I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to use quarter inch steel. I'm going to use quarter inch steel and overlap it. So I'm going to have basically like a, because I want to kick the legs out. So I'll have say like a, a two by three inch piece of steel and a one by three inch piece of steel and then weld one just sitting on top of the other. Gotcha. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Capiche. So that'll kick it up that quarter inch. So that leg will kick out that quarter inch. You know, whatever those couple degree angles at the bottom is going to telegraph the leg kind of spread out on the, on the table itself. And then I'll put a bunch of heavy screws through that plate and then take that plate and screw it to the bottom of the table. Because so, I've, I've purchased some of those kind of offset angled, I guess, mm. I don't know, a, angled leg mounts or whatever you call them. Yeah, I've purchased they're, some they're, of those before, but they're kind of expensive li- for what they are, you know? They're a little too weak in this application because this table's a little bit heavier than those could probably support. And they, mm. they take a center screw. Like if you were going to have like a screw post sticking out of the middle of your leg, you'd screw that in there. See, I got to custom make all, I got to custom make all mine. And plus, I don't feel like going to the store. It's easier for me to make them. Amazon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any so, 10 more things that you're working on? <laughs> um, what else am I working on? I can't remember. Uh, the I'm canoe. Sure I'm, work, I'm working on the canoe. I'm building. Uh, I sold the, the two blacksmith classes are sold out. And so Brett and I have to build the blacksmith shop, which is a little tedious because we haven't really done anything <laughs> yet. So by October, the first week in October, which is four weeks away, we're going to have a blacksmith shop outside somewhere on a concrete slab, which doesn't exist. <laughs> so we're going to figure Ooh. that out. Yeah, we'll, make, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. <laughs> you have a whole team of people right there that will get it done, apparently. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so we we're like... 40 minutes in, so let's get to a topic. How about that? <laughs> um, so we had a, a question today that I think it just gave me an idea. This is from Josh on Patreon. Thanks, Josh. Um, he said, I have a question for Jimmy. Have you ever met or considered collaborating with Paul Tuttle, Sr. or Jr.? So you can answer that, but then I have an idea from it. Yeah. No, I never did meet those guys. I drive past that place every week. They're between where I live upstate and where I live in New York City. They're exactly halfway they're in orange county i'm in green county and they're in uh, orange county new york in newburgh and i drive past that place all the time their store is right on the highway there's all kinds of rumors whether that store is not theirs anymore i honestly don't know but i don't know them and i never did meet them but the sound man for dirty money uh was the sound man for their show and so he would always like when we weren't on he was on with them and so he would always tell us you know the, the it was right when it was father and son pitted directly against each other and they each had their own shows and and they, there was literally a production team for father and a production team for junior and they actually never mixed so he was on the production team for father and so all that like bad blood apparently was really true so that's all i know about them but i think they obviously have a show up now i've been seeing a little bit of rumblings about a new show that they're doing and that they're all getting along. But I never met any of those guys. And I don't know anybody that knows them other than Carl, our, our sound man for Dirty Money. 
Hmm. So, yeah, no, I never did meet them. I never met Adam Savage. It's always, everybody thinks me and Adam are friends. I never once met Adam Savage. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people I don't know. Some people think I know Tom Sachs and Casey Neistat because I live in the city. I never met either one of those guys. Hmm. Um, so the thing that the idea I had from this was, and we've talked about this kind of before. We've talked about, like, if you could do a collaboration with any person living or dead and I think we all said dead people if I remember correctly <laughs> maybe wrong about that um, but I thought it would be actually cool to narrow that a little bit because this is something like that we could probably make happen so mm-hmm. I thought it would be cool to hear of the living maker people not outside of that kind of group whatever you want to define that group is who would you really really like to collaborate with and why well it's, there's nobody that I'm like dead like anxious to collaborate with and it's funny I hardly ever done collaborations I did one with Eric recently which was a lot of fun Eric from Hansel Rescue and then JD Brewer and I are going to be putting a video out any minute of me building those doors with him and he did like the heavy lifting I mean because I was busy trying to design and do stuff behind the scenes and it's basically a video of JD welding my doors and me kind of hanging around him so it's going to be funny how, to, how I'm going to define that collaboration but it was it was a great week of he and I working together and I got that all on camera just waiting for my approvals to publish it and so those are two collaborations that did kind of back to back I when we talked about this the second before camera started today I, I the very first inclination came to me I would like to work with Matthias and John Highs like if we did something together that would be pretty funny because I think there would be a lot of like snide comments and a lot of backhanded uh, passive aggressiveness going on the whole time and, and that's kind of <laughs> like my style of humor so I think we would have a lot of fun and um so that's the first thing I thought of I mean I, I've been watching what April's doing and you know I think eventually I'll work with April Laura's coming uh, to New York in September and I'm not saying we're planning on doing a collaboration but I think me and Laura doing a collaboration one day is natural um, I said I, one not, not 20 yeah. people one <laughs> John Highs <laughs> okay. I don't know maybe maybe John Highs because I think you know I, I don't know what he thinks of me but it would be funny to, <laughs> to be hanging out with him make something out of stone or something make a stone ice pick like- I feel like that would be a lot of fun. I think you guys yeah. would have a good time together. Yeah. If anybody doesn't know, he once did it. It's been about four, almost five years now. He did a he did a, a mock video as me, and I thought it was one of the funniest things I had seen up till then. So if you guys, I don't know, maybe we could put it in the show notes. There's a video where John is pretending to be me because at that point, a lot of people said he was copying me, and so to put that to bed, he just goes, you know what? I'm just going to do a video with Jimmy so you could all go pound salt. And it was really funny. He, his interpretation of my fast forward stuff, and it was cute. It really, really won me over. I thought it was very funny. And uh, I don't know. I don't really don't know who else. Um, you know, the three of us have to do a collaboration at one point when we're in the same city at the same time, or if you guys ever come up here for that videography class. Has anybody ever suggested that? <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> You know, oddly enough, I don't think anybody's ever said that we should do something together. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, David, what about you? So this is this is tough. I have 10 tabs open in my browser of people that I want to do collaborations with. I, I suck at doing collaborations. Ask Evan and Caitlin because we've been trying to plan one for a long time. And I think they've given up on me just because... I can't nail down a date and an idea. Um, Did I already so, do a collaboration with Evan and Caitlin? I can't remember. Did I do one? 
I don't think so. Did it happen already? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so, um, so that's something that I actually hope happens in the future. Um, and I, when I do a, I've done one collaboration with how to make everything in the past where we did separate stuff in our own cities. I would prefer to do a collaboration like together, like spend a couple days working on something. And so for some of these, I would be willing to travel because not only would it be fun, but I've seen personally how much a collaboration can help a, a channel. So all that being said, I'm going to quickly pick one that's kind of outside of our circle, and then I'll I'll, I'll pick somebody else. Uh, breaking the rules. I know I'm breaking the rules. That's that's what I do, Bob. So the one that I really my my ultimate dream collaboration with is Jack White and or Third Man Records. Like I mm-hmm. wanted to do something with with them so bad because as far as a record label and an artist, they do so many creative things that it would just be so cool to collaborate with them. I, like they uh, they have a quarterly um, what they call a vault package where you get um, like me- if you're a member and you you pay quarterly dues you get a you get a package like it would be really cool to make something that goes into that package. That's funny. I contacted Hank three once his crew oh, and yeah. said, you know, if you guys ever wanted to do anything creative marketing wise, I would love to be involved. You know, and I never heard back. But Hank Hank Williams the third, I really dig his stuff and his whole style. Yeah, I've never seen Hank Williams the Third, but from what I understand, there's two there's two sets that he plays. There's the traditional country set, and then he warns the crowd and says, <laughs> "Okay, you're not gonna like the second half of the set if you're here for country." And then plays his huh. his metal set. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, so um, after that, I think um, I really really love and. I, uh, this is so tough because I don't. I have ten <laughs> tabs open. I don't know who to say. Just but say really, them all. Jimmy said twenty five names. You're, right, you're I'll do that. I have one more to add, but when you're well, ready, you I'll you're done. You're done. It's <laughs> <game's turn. laughs> uh, ben from Homemade Modern. I, That's who's designs- mine. <laughs> I was gonna say Ben, but I'm gonna, I want to do a, I want to do a collaboration with Ben and and Mike when I'm down to one seventy. I can't be any of those guys unless I'm stick skinny. <laughs> <laughs> <That's my butt. laughs> Go ahead. Um, he uh we've actually talked like just talking to him he's such a, a smart intelligent dude and his design style is is so so fantastic that i would love to just work with him uh on a, on a project for for a couple of days and i think i would learn something from him i, I would i don't want to do a collaboration just to say i did a collaboration with so and so but i i think i would actually benefit from from that uh, I hung out with Ben in June and the one thing I love about Ben is that he's always smiling no matter how stressful things might be behind the scenes he always has a smile on his face and he's always like oh yeah like he's dealing with this container thing and there's like so many red tape issues to deal with and he's just smiling through it the whole time he's just like yeah we'll figure it out and that's that's an inspiration to me to try and let stress get up my my back I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly pass over Adam Savage because that might be somebody else's pick um, but that would that would be awesome. I feel like I would learn a lot from Adam. Um, and then just just some other super super creative people would be Bobby Duke Art. Mm. That oh he's uh, great so, guy. You would love him. A, he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Toth. 
Peter Brown. Um, I, there's something about uh, Christopher Schwartz where he he's more of a traditional woodworker, but he has some modern tools in his in his arsenal. But I love his attitude towards woodworking, where like he just kind of has that like screw you, I'm gonna do what I want, and I love that about him. And he's phenomenal. He's one of the the best woodworkers I've I've had a chance to meet. Um, and then somebody, a couple people like outside the realm. It would be Threadbanger. I love their channel. I love their like like their crazy attitude of hey, this might not work. Who cares? We're just having fun. Uh, Peter McKinnon. I think I want to work with Peter McKinnon, the photographer, videographer dude, because his stuff is so cinematic. I think I would learn so much about filming and how he films. Yeah. Uh, Four Eyes Woodworking, because mm-hmm. who's, there's nobody designing more mod stylish pro- products right now than than Chris like he is he is nailing it like I uh, I don't even know how to describe every time I see a project I'm like oh my goodness I wish I made that so I went all over the place but those 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 are those are the the 10 collabs that I want to do right now wow so now I I didn't prepare that much. You guys both have like way more. I was trying to. Oh yeah, you guys were talking about the about twenty it. things Jimmy was working on, and I just went through my my, my YouTube <laughs> subscription. I'm like, These people. Oh yeah. <sighs> um. Oh man, I'm gonna now. I feel like I don't have enough people. All right. Oh. Well, so um, because I was thinking like really specifically like just a couple of people and why Laura Kampf. Of course, I would love to do something with. I mean, and she's actually my pick today too, because I just love. I, we've all been we've known her since she started doing videos, like at the very beginning, and it's really awesome to see how her style has grown. But at the same time, it was so good to begin with that it didn't really need to change. But she's she's just done a whole lot of awesome stuff, and I love the way she shoots and the way she tells stories and. Uh, the work that she does. So it'd be awesome to work on something with her. And I think all of these, I'm with you, David. I think the best way to do this is working with someone in their shop because I think I would learn a lot from her in the way that she structures her project stories. Um, And then the other two people on the list that I originally wrote down are kind of for the same reason. Colin Furs, he's, he's insane, and so that would be fun to be around. But I also would love to see how he crams the amount of work that he crams into a single project. Because every time you see one of his videos, it looks like, oh, I'm just going to weld this little thing. Oh, I'm going to do this little thing. And then I'm going to wire up this giant hydraulic system. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that's that's several days worth of work right there that you just kind of flew over. And so I would love, and he he does a bunch of stuff that I have no idea about. You know, he's just really good in a bunch of areas that I'm completely deficient in. So... It'd be fun to be around that just to not really, maybe that's not even a collaboration, but more of just a, can I help you and watch (laughs) situation. Um, And then Alex Steele, I think is kind of the same thing. Like I don't know anything about blacksmithing, so that would be really fun to learn. But at the same time, I'm really interested in his process and how he takes that amount of physical labor and turns it into such a good video. Cause he, 
I mean, from watching the videos, I have to get the idea that he is constantly both thinking about the work that he's doing, but also how he's presenting it, like, all the time for a and single being, action. Being in his environment, like he honestly... Five he's, shots. He's very seamless with the camera. Like, when, when he was sh when shooting, when I was watching him and Jocko and, and, and me when we were there and Evan and Caitlin, he's, like, very surreptitious with the camera. He seems to know exactly what he wants. I mean, I kind of feel like that's how I am, too. He constantly puts the camera, zooms in, hits start. Like, you don't even know, but it's, like, it's almost as he's talking and looking and presenting, his hands are, like, moving the camera and setting it up and hitting start. He, like, doesn't even look at the camera. It's, it was pretty impressive to watch him do his thing. He's, like, on autopilot, but in a very very yeah. direct way yeah he's just he is really i mean I, I hung out with him a little bit and he's super interesting to talk to a really nice guy but he's all, he has a drive that is really really impressive and i would love yeah. to just spend some more time around him um jocko is another it's interesting you mentioned that because jocko is another person that i i love what he's doing and uh i hope at some point that he and i can spend some time together and make something because i think he does things in a totally different way than i do and that's that's really awesome. So I think most of those people are just, uh, they're people I, f I feel like I have a whole lot to learn from. Of course, there's a ton of people I would love to do stuff with April. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a bunch of people. I'm not even going to try to name them all. <laughs> I think those people really stand out in, like, they excel in a place where I absolutely do not, and I would love to learn from them. And people bring up Adam all the time. People ask me, like, why I don't do a collaboration with Adam Savage. I I don't know him. I mean, I'm kind of like everybody else. Like, you can't just call people and be like, hey, can I do a thing with you? Because you can't call them because they don't have, like, a public phone number. Uh, so, yeah, that's not really something in my control. Anyway, um, well, any other thoughts? Any other people? Maybe people outside of our world that you um. like to do? I mean... You said Jack White, but is there anything else? Or maybe maybe even not collaborations, but are there other people that you would just like to spend some time with and, like, apprentice under or learn from? Or Tom Sachs would be a fun one, just to hang out for a day while he's working on a particular project or sculpture or piece of art. Um, I, I would love... I like I like artists. I like I like people who who are creating things from from nothing. So uh, I would like to see um, uh, man, uh, who's the the, the, the I I'm, I'm blanking on his name. The street artist who goes to different cities and um, Banksy. Yeah, like I would love to see his sketchbook. I would love to like his 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 things are so clever i would just love to just watch him write down in a sketchbook these these clever little play on words and 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 images yeah it'd be cool my pick my pick of the week is going to be um uh so, somebody who's also super creative and i just and and it's outside of what i do but it's learning how other people create is is a great way to make your self unique if you if you're if you're pulling in inspiration from people outside your your realm outside yeah. of woodworking or metalworking or electronics or whatever we're doing well we can get go on to that um, unless you guys have anything else about like the potential collaborations and if you're listening if you're any of those people that we talked about and you're listening reach out Maybe yeah we can make one of those things happen I, I, I do. I, I do want to put a budget 
uh, aside where I do travel and I go to other people's shops. Um, and so that, that, that could be fun. But Bob, I, I, I want to turn that question back on to you. Is there somebody outside outside the, the, the maker circle that you want to work with? Um, I think it would be interesting to do something with Jack Conti, not necessarily musically, but he's like this tornado in human form that just like gets into something and just goes at it and just destroys it. And I would love to just be a part of seeing him come up with an idea, attack it, execute it, be done with it, and then just like make it into something bigger than and crazier than what you would what I would have done in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't necessarily think musically because I don't think I could even come close to keeping up and I don't think it would be very fun for me. I'd be just like, oh, I'll just be in the corner while you play awesome music. Um, but, you know, just, yeah, yeah, for real, like, totally. Um, but, yeah, it'd be cool to be a part of, of his process in something start to finish. And, like, even years ago, he did, um, like, when he launched Patreon, he did this this video song of, the song was called Pedals, and he made the music video, and it was this full set that he had built in his studio that looked kind of like the Millennium Falcon set. It was like all these buttons, light up buttons everywhere and all this stuff. And there were robots that were performing the song with him. And so it wasn't just a song. It was a song plus this full production craziness set build and moving parts and then filming it all and then putting it all together. And so it was just this massive undertaking, you know, start to finish. Uh, So he definitely has a uh, a maker gene in him. That's the only time I've seen him do anything with it, like in, in that capacity of physically making something. But yeah, it, that'd be fun to do something like that with him. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, let's thank our Patreon supporters while you're figuring out. Jimmy, you look like you're looking at your phone, probably trying to find someone. I got one. Okay, good. <laughs> so big thanks to Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward. Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, <laughs> Chad from Mancrafting, Nick Ryan, Caleb Harris, and Make, Build, Modify. Thanks to them and everybody else who supports us on Patreon. It means a lot. Uh, we don't do sponsors for this show. We never have, I don't think. Maybe once or twice. But we don't anymore. And that's really awesome because we have Patreon support. So um, really grateful for those people and everybody else that helps us out over there. And if you do, you get the after show, which is a separate audio file, little feed of extra talky stuff and secret stuff and stuff stuff and yeah so if you want to help us out go to patreon.com slash making it we only did two advertisements in 170 something episodes right this is this is episode 180 yeah 180 and we only did two advertisements in that yeah Yeah. as i recall yeah for the same client right at the beginning yeah yeah cool well what do you guys been uh watching I'm going to recommend my buddy Kevin Lazat. He only has Instagram, unfortunately. Everybody go and tell him he's got to start a YouTube channel just to pressure him <laughs> into it. But Kevin, just while we were talking, he posted something he's been working on for a while. Uh, doing the technique that we just discussed how I made the table legs, doing the Izzy Swan table saw technique. He made these end tables. They're big tapered drums, like a big drum. And each one is made out of segmented rings, kind of like a, like a Kyle Toth. Completely made off of the lathe, just with a table saw. So it's a segmented, basically a segmented bowl, but the net result is not a bowl. The net result is a, is a small end table with a big taper in it. And he made two of them. 
And the one thing that's really cool about Kevin's work is he's a machinist first and foremost, slowly dabbling in wood. So Kevin's approach is completely machinist based. You'll notice he's got like a stopper on the table saw made with machinist jig and he's got micrometers laying around and stuff. You know, we have rulers laying around. He has micrometers laying around in his woodworking area. So take a look at Kevin Lazat on Instagram. He only has Instagram, so tell him he's got to do a movie soon. Otherwise, I'm going to stop following him. <laughs> Ooh, nah, gauntlet is thrown down. Kevin is awesome. He's an awesome kid, and he's taught me a tremendous amount. For me, I'm going to apologize for picking something once again that not everybody has access to, but if you do have access to HBO, it's the uh, documentary on Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's a, it's really, really good. It's super long. Um, it's like two and a half hours long, but it's really detailed. And he is he's a filmmaker that kind of learned on the fly, like didn't get accepted to the film school that he wanted to go to, and just like learned on on set doing uh, some shorts on a Spielberg made, is amazing. People kind of overlook him because he's been around for so long, but so he made Jaws. so good, yeah. Yeah, and he he explains in the documentary of um, uh, Jaws wasn't his first movie, um, but it was the first successful movie. Uh, when that came out, I think it had the biggest box office of any movie up to that point, and it did so well that after that he got free reign and final cut of whatever he wanted to do. So, like it, that was the movie that just allowed him to be Steven Spielberg and just a really really good documentary oh hmm interesting um, so it's funny a couple weeks ago Jenny and I watched E.T. because we were thinking about you know like hey the kids would like E.T. we should watch it again just to make sure that it's you know it's all good and not too scary for the younger ones and we really enjoyed it it was great and it was awesome to see that and be like oh yeah like Spielberg's amazing <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot and uh, it was just so many good little things in watching E.T. after such a long time. And then it's funny because the next night we were like, oh, let's watch another movie. This is fun. Let's watch. Oh, you haven't seen Ready Player One. Let's watch that. So we watched it. And then I realized after the fact that that's also a Spielberg movie. And it was funny. You know, I mean, not everybody liked Ready Player One. And that's fine. It was it was good. But it was really interesting to see those two movies by the same director I don't know, 30 some odd Decades, years apart yeah. and yeah. like the, the technology is entirely different. The focus of the way it was shot and what he was doing with it was entirely different, but it was just like, wow, that's, that's a career right there, man. Like from ET all the way to this thing that looks entirely digital, like it's inside of a computer and it's just insane to watch. And yeah, it was really cool. There was, um, the, uh, one of the, he made a, a made for TV, ABC weekly, movie of the week or something like that way back in like 1973 and I would love to find this movie but they were showing clips of this and it just had this total like Indiana Jones feel I don't know how to describe his style but his style like watching the clips of this I'm like that's where Indiana Jones came from that's how they they got these shots you know especially like when um you know and like fight scenes and when there's uh big trucks and planes and stuff i'm like it has a spielberg feel to it which i don't what? know how to describe but it's there what was the name of it 
Mm. You do your pick, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm curious because he did amazing stories. <laughs> he yeah. did amazing stories, uh, which was a TV thing, but that's that was a series, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, so my pick is Laura Laura Kampf. Um, she she put out a video this week, which I thought was really. I mean, her stuff's always great, but this one was really cool, and it's called How to Fail. That was and, a great uh, video. I love her she, facial expressions when she's looking at the piece in black and white. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually audibly laughed alone in the in the living room. Yeah, she kind of hammed that up, but that was pretty good. But it's just her talking about a project she tried to do that didn't work out like she wanted it to, and so she just talks about how important it is and how okay it is to fail and how that you you can still learn stuff. She just did a great job of like voicing that feeling that we all have when we try to make something and it just doesn't work, you know. Um. So, yeah, uh, just check out Laura if you haven't for some odd reason. And she sent me a message the other day that she's coming to New York Maker Fair. So that's awesome. Yep. Get to hang out again. Yeah. Um, speaking of New York Maker Fair, September 20-something? I should know. Two and three? 23, and 24. It's somewhere. It's that weekend, whenever that is. Uh, if you're in the Northeast, you should definitely come to it. It's awesome. Uh, I'm on the board of something. There's a board. I can't remember what it's called, but I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm, they're asking me and several other people about like how to make it better and how to make you know like the stage for content creators more useful for people who are on stage and for people who want to come see it and stuff like that. So uh, they're taking into account the fact that content creation is a big part of the maker movement now and and that's really cool that they are like adjusting the fair to meet you know where people are and what people are interested in so um if you're in the area you should definitely go to the maker fair support what they're doing learn some new stuff hang out with some cool people and i'll be there jimmy will be there right mm -hmm. yep i'll be there yeah yeah bunch of i wanted to go but I, I got family stuff and yeah i'm really we'll sad you. that i can't go Next year, you have to go to all the maker fairs to make up for your lack of. Maker I will go fairs to all the maker fairs. Yes, <laughs> every single one. Make a central too. Yeah, yeah. Go to make a central. Bob, are you going to go to make a central again? Um, I have not decided. I would love to. Uh, this year was completely overloaded with travel for me, and I didn't. Yeah, it was too much. So I'm trying to be a little pickier, uh, and that's a very expensive, kind of big commitment trip. So. I don't want to say yes, but I'm probably in the like 80, 90% yes yeah, me too. area right now. So. Yeah, I, I want to go. I'd like to. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Oh, Did you know. find out the name of that that thing? Yes, it's called Duel. Uh, mm. I put a I put a link to the, the promo, and somebody has the full-length movie up on, on YouTube. But it was a ABC Movie of the Week movie. And hmm. I will be watching it very soon. Interesting. Cool. Sweet. Well, you guys got anything else for this week? <laughs> that means no. Okay. I guess uh, that means no. Cool. Thank you. Well, we will uh, see you guys next week. Oh, wait, can I ask one dumb question? Sure. Dave, what are all those boxes behind you that say something funny on it? Oh, those are all new t-shirts. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I got, I'm, uh, I, I, once again, I'll be shipping t-shirts from my from my office instead of having somebody else ship them for me. And uh, when I launch my new website, hopefully later this week, uh, I will also be Ooh. launching new t-shirts, new stickers, uh, new magnets. Uh, 
yeah, promo alert and uh, wow. a couple other things. So, yeah. Very good. Cool. Keep Thanks an for eye. asking. Sure. See you guys next week. Love Bye. you. Bye.